you know, Joaquin Neiman got an invite. To, you know, he's been chasing his tail around the world to either play his way into Augusta or show enough form to, to warrant an invite. And I don't know if the same can be said for Taylor. Mm, yes, indeed. The thoughts of Rory McIlroy there on Taylor Gooch's comments about why his Masters win this year, should it happen, why it would have an asterisk on it. Mm-hmm. Right, we'll get into that a little bit later on in this week's episode of the Bunkered Podcast in association with Callaway Golf. Hello, welcome, thank you for tuning in. Michael McEwen here as always. Pleasure to have your company. Tell you what, I am, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it this week. Definitely feeling the effects of being 40. That's me now one week and one day into my 40s and for the benefit of anyone who's listening who's either hit that milestone already or has it approaching on the horizon not too far away, can I just say one thing? It sucks. I hate being 40. <laughs> it's rubbish. Nothing good has happened in the last week. I'm creaking more. I'm more aware of my body and its movements and its foibles. And genuinely, I hate it. I want to go back to being in my 30s. So if anyone knows a way to do that, Please get in touch, all the usual means. Join us at The Bunkered Pod on social media and give me your best advice for how I can turn back time, said Cher. Anyway, I have only one person to bring in this week because Mr. Bryce Ritchie, Bunkered Editor, has decided to take the week off. Which is fair enough, it gets to that time of year, also known as March, when the financial year is ending and everyone has tons of annual leave to use up. So Bryce is currently sitting at home Shay Ritchie in the mansion, watching, no doubt. Oh, actually, I don't know what he would be watching. I'm not even sure. I He's absolutely watching, watching motorbike YouTube videos. <laughs> That's all he's doing. shadow of a doubt. Motorbike YouTube videos and <laughs> trying to work on his swing. I How imagine. to get your grass greener. All that standing sort of in stuff. Front of, standing in front of the fridge doing that thing that we all do when we're waiting for the kettle to boil, where you sort of like work on your downswing. <laughs> Everywhere I go, oh, I see okay. someone practicing their swing. Train stations, amazing, airport departure lounges, shops. There's always somebody working on an invisible swing. So no Bryce, but we have the next best thing. Some people might even say it's the a better thing. I don't know. You decide. Associate Editor Alex Perry. That was a very underwhelming introduction for you, so I do apologise. It's all right. It is what it's it is. fine. It's fine. How are you? You well? Hello. I'm good. I'm good. I... Wasn't here yesterday because I was playing the Belfry, but we'll yeah. get to that later. Um, a golf course that <laughs> in February was just a quagmire. Oh, so dear. I was uh, slopping around the Belfry. You know when you you're just scared to take a divot because every time you do, the mud just like splats <laughs> up in your face. <laughs> yeah. And also, I had a, a massive faux pas in that I didn't realise that. We weren't allowed. In fact, we weren't told, to be fair, that we weren't allowed to have uh, trolleys. So I showed up with my trolley and my cart bag. Luckily, my cart bag has got a strap on it, so it was fine in the end. I just took everything out of it that I possibly could, including half of my clubs. <laughs> and then just, so it was a bit weird, I sort of played with a half set and a, and, a, and lugging a massive cart bag around with me. I looked like a right <laughs> idiot. And, but no, good. I, I, we didn't actually talk about your birthday last week, did we? Because we recorded the day before your birthday, mm-hmm. the last day of your 30s, and I, I just com- it completely blanked in my head when we were recording last week, but we probably should have mentioned it. But yeah, yeah we're now I, both I, I skipped past in it. our 40s. So good, isn't it? No, it's not. 
It really, it's it's really not. It's it's funny because I think I've said this previously, but I'm now very conscious of the fact that I'm never going to play football professionally. Like that's gone. I'm also probably too old to be a player manager, so I'm going to have to just basically accept that my only involvement in football is going to be one of two things. That is, as a manager, like in a well, he's doing very badly at the moment, but a sort of Neil Warnock type. That's all I do. Mm-hmm. type manager or director of football, which I think is a job that's made up for when managers become too old to be managers. So, listen, it's not looking good, Alex. But on the bright no. side, on the bright side, I'm only 10 years away from the Champions Tour and I fully intend to, to light that up. Legends Tour, maybe? Yeah. There. Well, Champions Tour, you know, has, has got a bit more money behind it and I think that's where most of the, the, the bigger name players are and I would certainly class myself in that company. Yeah, got to aim high. You've played Augusta, of course. So I have. Yeah, many of those people haven't played Augusta. That's a very good point. I could go there and I could, you know, tell them all about it whilst shooting the lights out. Exactly. So, so I'm ambitious still. That's one thing that hasn't changed from turning forty. I'm ambitious. At least you didn't spend forty-five quid going to uh, the Willy Wonka experience in Glasgow. <laughs> That's good. Or I suppose if it was all three of you, you're talking like hundred quid plus, aren't you? You and your yeah, family. Yeah, I, so. I don't know if everyone listening has has seen this, but there was a bit of a stramash to use a great Glasgow word in Lovely. Glasgow last weekend when this company emerged from nowhere. I think they're called the Illuminati Group, which in, in itself is brilliant. But they put on this Willy Wonka immersive experience, and they were promising the absolute mutts nuts this thing they said was going to be incredible and it really wasn't i mean i I can't even do it justice so all i can say is when you finish listening to this go and google it because it is the most underwhelming thing you have (laughs) ever seen in your life honestly it is i'm trying to think of how to compare it to something in golf and there's nothing there's nothing imagine you showed up i suppose at at the open and there were no stands. There was like a burger van, a, a proper greasy spoon burger van, and that was your only option for food. There was no leaderboards. The course was in terrible nick. It hadn't been mown for months. And the field comprised only players from the top 1,000 to 2,000 on the world rankings. It is, honestly, it is absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely horrific. Like if you sh- if you showed up at Augusta and they went, oh, just this year we're going to play at some goat truck across the road. Is that all right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Honestly, it is. I, words can't do justice, so I suggest you go and check it out. And yeah, only forty five pounds for the privilege. Anyway, Alex, look, we have a, a lot to get through, even without Mister Ritchie here. It has been a, a, a pretty pretty incredible week so far, and let's start with the the man himself. The <laughs> The returning Anthony Kim. So it is official. The rumours that have been going about for several weeks, if not months, to be fair, that Anthony Kim was going to make his comeback and was going to join Live Golf. That was announced officially yesterday. So it is Thursday morning, as we record. He is in Saudi Arabia right now, preparing for tomorrow, his first competitive round of golf. And get this, 11 years, 9 months, and 27 days. That was the last time that he made an appearance on the PGA Tour. A man of great mystery, intrigue, myth, I suppose, a little bit as well. But after more than a decade in the shadows, Anthony Kim is back. We'll 
get into the nuts and bolts of that in a second, but here's a little clip from a video that was shared by Live Golf. He's not doing, I gather, any media this week. He's going to try and find his sea legs and, and on, on his return and just focus solely on playing. But here's a little bit of what he did say to the team at Live. I feel great. It's been a long time coming. Right now, I'm focused on playing good this week. Got a few weeks of competitive golf in front of me, so I'll tell my story when it's the right time, but right now I'm focused on golf. Uh, I'm excited to be out here with my daughter and my family and uh, just enjoy the experience that Liv is providing. And I think I missed the competitive part of, of the game. I wouldn't just say it was golf, but just being in the heat of the moment, having an opportunity to do something special, and I'm looking forward to having that opportunity again. So, yeah, interesting stuff there from Anthony Kim. Alex, your your first big takeaway from all of this. I mean, it's probably not a surprise that he's back to some to some extent because it has been so heavily rumored, but what was the first thing that came to mind when when you saw him and when you saw the announcement yesterday? Yeah, it's sort of strange, isn't it? Because we live in this I've definitely said this before, but we do, because we live in this social media world, like there's just no secrets anymore. And I think that's a, ma- in a way, that's a massive shame. Mm. Because do you remember, I mean, do you remember, and we're, we're talking about being in our 40s now, do you remember when we were kids and there were like big football transfers and yeah. you would like, you'd get like, a, you'd have to read the newspapers or like teletext. Yeah. He's like, oh my God, you know, so-and-so might sign for so-and-so. And you're like, oh, it was unbelievable. Now it's just like, everyone's talking about it. And you're thinking, okay, well, Kim's obviously showing up at Live. Like, it's just going to happen, isn't it? We're all expecting it to happen. And I thought, like, I was, first of all, <laughs> that Greg Norman video was absolutely fantastic. He released it. Yeah, anyone, oh God, I forgot. anyone living that. under a rock, if, if, if they didn't see it, it was just, it was like a movie trailer, wasn't it? It was like a Marvel movie trailer, <laughs> which actually came more across like a, a car advert. In a and forgotten was, land. Exactly. That's exactly what it was like. And then there was, you know, it was obviously Anthony Kim in the video, but but Norman wouldn't name him mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Uh, he even called him mate in his, in his tweet, which I found hilarious because that's a word that Anthony Kim definitely uses on a day-to-day basis. And then we had that, the the pictures coming out of Jeddah where they had the little his nameplate didn't they on yeah. on the range and stuff like that so then you're sort of thinking okay it's definitely happening why haven't they just announced it yeah. like why haven't you made this a big thing why are you waiting until Wednesday like it all seemed a bit bizarre they've obviously got their reasons I don't know what they are but I just when that that first video of him swinging on the range came out it was just he just hasn't changed he he he's just he's the same like he showed up in a, a t shirt that was five sizes too big, shorts that were five sizes too big, skateboard shoes. I mean, he just had the look of a man approaching 40, desperately clinging on to his 20s. Mm-hmm. And I know that because I am a man who is past 40, just desperately clinging on to his 20s. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, I mean, I, I was, like I said, I was at a golf day on Wednesday, so this just sort of all passed me by. But I think the big, th- I, I saw a tweet and I, I've shared this with you, yesterday but someone said oh when you see Anthony Kim for the first time like close up you're going to be surprised by what his face looks like and I was just sort of thinking what does that mean but then he sort of we did get the 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 close-up shots he obviously talked and we had the photographs and things and he just looks like Anthony Kim but 12 years older exactly he's just he's just Anthony Kim but like I don't look like I did when I was 
30. So why would he look like he does when he was 26 or 27? Like, it's just really bizarre, really bizarre. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite funny. I think the conclusion we can draw there is that the public will be surprised by anything, not least the fact that after 12 years, you don't look the same as you did. The, the aging yeah. process works. It's like those trash magazines, isn't it? Like those clickbait things at the bottom of articles where they always try to get, they go, you won't believe what so-and-so looks like now. It's like, well, <laughs> I will believe, because you're talking about someone who I last saw when they were five years old in a film and now they're 45. Of course they look different. We're not surprised The kid this. from the sixth sense doesn't look the same anymore. Exactly. Correct. He's, a, he's an adult with children of his own. <laughs> no, enjoyed it. It's, it's good to have him back. I'm, I'm genuinely absolutely buzzing to see how he plays on friday what what time's it going to be but just just for our viewers what time is it or re- listeners sorry what time is it going to be on so i think it's eight fifteen in the morning he gets underway it's 11 living ish jeddah time which i think is three hours ahead of the uk okay so he's playing alongside cam smith and graham mcdowell which i thought was quite interesting he's also off the 18th which again a, a little bit interesting I, I thought you know marquee signing put him off the first with in my opinion, John Ram and Brooks Kepka. Absolutely. I don't know. They, they obviously have the reasons. They, there's There's been things that Liv have done with the unveiling of Anthony Kim, much like the unveiling of John Ram in December, that I just think, well, I wouldn't have done it that way. But, yeah. you know, I'm not saying I'm, I would do it the right way, but they, they allowed Greg Norman to break the news without actually saying his name, even though it was abundantly clear, as you say from the video, who he was talking about. The whole world knew he was talking about. But then 48 hours later was when they chose to go public with the actual official release. And then, as I say, the tea time thing. I just, there's, there's, there's things about it that I just can't figure out. Like, why have you done that? But yeah. listen, the, the purpose of it is to bring eyeballs to live. Of and course. I think they will absolutely get that. And there's so much snark, as ever, on social media. That's what it's designed for, isn't it? Um, but there's so much snark on social media from people saying, well, who is this? I, I don't remember him and you know, he doesn't he never interested me before and why should I why should I be interested? <laughs> You're probably gonna watch. You know what I mean? The, yeah. the, I always get amused when people reply to something and they just say, Who cares? Well you. You re- yeah. you cared enough to reply, so you have mm-hmm. a level of interest. I, I I think that the signing of Anthony Kim is a really, really smart move by Liv. It's a shrewd bit oh, absolutely. of marketing. Absolutely. It's also desperate. I mean, people are getting their knickers in the twist, arguing, is it genius? Is it the opposite? It is both. It's both a, mar- a bit of marketing genius because it will bring those eyeballs that Liv is lacking. It will create interest, which it needs. But there's no question that they wouldn't be doing this had they had all the players that they wanted in the first place. They would much sooner have Rory, Tiger, Scotty Scheffler, Victor Hovland, Hideki Matsuyama over Anthony Kim. But they are where they are, so they're having to adapt and adjust on the fly. That's what people do. There's nothing wrong with that as a tactic. But yeah, it doesn't make it any less desperate. It doesn't make it any less of a bit of marketing genius. It's fascinating. There's no two ways about it. So my understanding is he is playing in the remainder of the season. Correct, yeah. He's going to play the 11 remaining individual events how he okay. slots into the team element if at all as a wild card but he, he doesn't does he like, i just, just don't see how he fits no unless somebody it, gets injured from say the majestics and he swoops in to take their place sure. okay maybe but it, it adds right. it adds a fun little wrinkle though doesn't it i mean the wild cards i thought was 
a cool addition anyway. But yeah. the fact that it's this guy in particular, I think, makes it even cooler. Oh, no, give me Laurie Cantor any day. Um, <laughs> that's not dissing Laurie Cantor. He's a very nice young man. Lovely guy, Laurie. Um, I, yeah. For me, the the big thing is the next tournament. We yeah. all know we're all going to be tuning in Friday morning to watch. I think this is going to be the third time I've tuned in tuned in for the start of a live golf event. Mm-hmm. The first was obviously the very first one, and the second was John Rahm. Uh, I've never, you know, I've, I've, I've been in and out. I've never made a secret of that with live. It doesn't excite me the way that any other golf tournament might. But I have obviously dipped in and out because it's my job. But those two tournaments were the ones where I actually watched it from the start. And I think that this will be the same. I'll be glued to it tomorrow morning when Kim tees off. It'll be interesting to see if how much of a fanfare they make about it. Because mm-hmm. like you say, they've put him out on the 18th with GMAC and Cam Smith. Okay, those are obviously high-profile players. But I do wonder if they offered Kim the chance to say, right, look, do you want to go off the first with say like the, the the examples you used of Brooks and, and John Rahm, or do you just want to go out on 18 with two high profile players, but slightly less high profile players? I just, I can't imagine Kim being the player that he is and the, the person that we, or the person that we certainly knew him as when he was a PGA tour player, wouldn't just go, yes, yeah, stick me out on the first. Oh, I don't care who I'm playing with. Stick me out on the first. I want all the cameras on me. So that's interesting. I'd be, I'd be, I'm, I'm genuinely excited for a live golf yeah, tournament. Exactly. Yeah. I think a lot of people are, and that's a good thing. You know, I'll, I'll watch any golf. It's funny that again, a sort of craven partisanship that you're supposed to have, where you're either for live or for the PGA Tour, but you can't be both. I'll watch any golf if it interests me enough. Exactly. And this certainly does. To your point, I think you're absolutely bang on. The next event is the one that matters. And arguably, Saturday's round could be interesting as well because the novelty will wear off very, very quickly. People want to... We wanted to see Anthony Kim back. We've got it. The next thing you want to see is him playing golf competitively. We'll get that on Friday morning. Saturday, well, he's just playing another round. Sunday, he's just playing another round. At the next event, it's just the next event. So I think live if the... The whole purpose of signing Anthony Kim is a marketing exercise. They've got a really small window to capitalise on that and to convert people to become live fans, to, to watch the the tournament more regularly going forward, watch the tournaments more regularly going forward. But I don't know. I, I, I am genuinely, like you, buzzing to see him back, but I have no idea how he's going to play. Well, the rumours were, and I, there's, there's a few rumours during the round on ex formerly Twitter, that he shot, I think it was eight, was it 82 on in the practice round. Now, I don't want to read too much into that because the players actually keep scoring practice rounds. I've seen enough practice rounds to know that players generally hit two or three balls into each green. They hit yeah. three or four putts, like, you know, which one are you counting? So that that would be interesting. But yeah, I'm genuinely, like the, the most interesting aspect of it all, because like, I said this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast when the whole Anthony Kim stuff started coming back into our minds. And what we want to know is, where have you been these last few years, mm-hmm. Anthony? Where have you been? What have you been up to? How have you managed to stay out of the public eye as as well as you have? And he has come out and said, look, at the moment, I just want to play golf. I will tell my story. Now, whether or not he's thinking, I'm just going to sell it to the highest bidder, mm-hmm. which seems like the most logical option. How much money have we got? 
Should we cobble together? Should we do a GoFundMe, see if we can cobble together enough money to get Anthony Kim's Well, board? I've got some birthday money left over. There so you go. That's a start. Falling out, tennis falling out of your cards. I love that. <laughs> I was I was genuinely going to put it towards a, a rotisserie for my Kamado barbecue, but I think the rights to Anthony Kim's story is probably much, better. much more important. Yeah. So yeah, that that's 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 what we all want to know. That will sounds like it's going to come out in time. The next thing is how does he play? So uh, I don't know. It's really tough. I'm sort of I'm torn between. I want him to be troubling the leaderboard after day one because I think that makes it more exciting. And also, I sort of think that the, the 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 two most interesting things that could happen are he's doing really well or he's doing really badly. Yeah. Like if he's just sort of like twelfth or thirteenth after day one, you sort of think, oh, that was a bit a bit of an anti climax, wasn't yeah. it? But if he's sort he of like four, four shots adrift or you know one off the pace like that that's that's going to get the viewers in for saturday i think as you're talking about but yeah i'm again, you either want them to win it just you know just let it start now yeah you either want them it. to win it emphatically or do a ken way in on us <laughs> i asked the question on the bunker twitter channel how do you think anthony kim will do in his comeback event this week the overwhelming majority 61.9 percent think that he will finish in the bottom half of the leaderboard 27.9 percent say he'll be dead last Top half of the leaderboard, 6.8%. And 3.4% of you wide-eyed dreamers believe that he's going to win. We will see. But That'll be something. Yeah, and an interesting choice of venue for his comeback as well, Jeddah. Obviously, the, the time difference doesn't really suit. Certainly, the west coast of the States for, for watching it. I think it's going to be quite literally the middle of the night in California. Also, not big crowds, which... I think makes it quite a clever move to to bring him back there where there's less pressure, there there are fewer people standing around greens. He always handled pressure pretty well, but these are different circumstances, as as we've touched on. The one thing that I looked at and thought, nah, that's, that's a bit stupid, was the video that was posted on his own Instagram account. By the way, Anthony Kim, having been off social media, now on X, now on Insta, and his first post on Insta was a, a different video to the one that we played you a clip from earlier, which was a bit of a hype video, showed clips of him, his, I presume his wife, certainly his partner, um, his daughter, showed him getting ready at live, showing up at Jeddah. And then it, it finished with the most bizarre sign-off, which was, hello, haters. And you're like, What? Nobody hates Anthony Kim. Nobody ever hated Anthony Kim. Well, what's the purpose of that line? And I don't know about you, Alex, but my first impression when I saw it was, all right, he's leaning into the everybody hates live angle. So I'm ready to take you on. It's, it's almost like he's the cavalry showing up to, to join mm -hmm. the fight. But other people interpreted it differently, implying that he was talking to people who've who are hating him or have hated him. Either way, it's a bit of a bizarre statement to make when you're returning, is it not? It's not only a bizarre statement to make when you're returning, it's also, and, and let's go down that line that we are assuming he's talking about people who hate live. I, I, I mean, I don't like that word. I don't think it's the right word mm. to use. That is still, even if that's a if that's a live tactic, that's still quite a bizarre way of doing it. It's, it's mm -hmm. a it's a to lean into that 
theory that everyone hates live golf to sort of play on that isn't what they should be doing in my opinion like they if they if if they it's the same theory about them again i don't want to say whinging or whining but all the chat about owgr points and and the things that greg norman says and look rory mcquery says said this like greg norman's not the right person to lead live golf and I completely agree with that on the basis that he just has a vendetta against the PGA Tour mm-hmm. and that will hold Liv back. I said that when Liv first started a couple of years ago. I still believe that. I feel like they need someone to now take them to the next level. But to lean on that theory that people who don't like Liv actively hate it is a really strange one. And... I f- that that feels like Greg Norman all over. That mm. feels like Greg has been involved in that in kind of a, like, let's, oh, do you know what you should say? Like, it's like he's writing the script and yeah. Kim's there going, oh, it's very sort of that? persecution complex, us against the exactly. world, everybody hates us. And exactly. When we're led to believe that the intention is to try and find some sort of resolution, some peaceful resolution and some way to work better together going forward to go on the attack against Fans of golf. This is an attack mm-hmm. on fans of golf. It's not on the PGA Tour. It's not on the DP World Tour. It's not on Jay Monaghan or anybody. This is, they are saying to people who watch golf, presumably their target audience, some of you are haters. That's yep. such a weird move. Bunky Perkins on Twitter put it perfectly. It was so easy, man. Have him do an interview with someone friendly, release an inspirational hype video, and have him come back in a US tourney. Instead, we're shouting out the haters and losers, of which there are not many. So, bit of a misstep there, but not enough to make me feel differently about his comeback. I am unapologetically excited about it. I think it's really cool. It's one of the biggest golf stories in recent years, and that's a competitive field, by the way. So, bring it on. Very excited to see how he does, and obviously, no doubt, we'll reflect and get forensic about his performance on next week's episode of the show. Absolutely. Let's move on then to Taylor Gooch, one of Anthony's new live colleagues. And it's not unlike Taylor Gooch to say something about mental. Remember when he compared winning uh, a live team title to winning on the Ryder Cup, which he's he's never played on. (laughs) Taylor was interviewed this week by Australian Golf Digest. Now, I'll say this for him. He makes himself very available. He's a very articulate guy. He seems to be quite good-humoured. But I think that sometimes with Taylor Gooch, the brain works at a pace that the mouth can't keep up with. Mm -hmm. And every idle thought comes out. And this is pretty illustrative of it. When he was asked about the Masters and the fact that he's not going to be there as it stands, despite having won Liv's individual standings last year. He did say that he doesn't think it's surprising that he hasn't had an invite, albeit his Liv colleague, uh, Wacky Neiman, has. He then went on to say, I think the majors have kind of shown that they're not getting on board with Liv. Jacko Neiman went outside of Liv and played some great golf. Uh, Yeah, I'll say he won the Australian Open for crying out loud, and they rewarded him for that. So hopefully the day will turn when the majors decide to start rewarding good play on live. So far, so good. If Rory McIlroy goes and completes his career Grand Slam without some of the best players in the world, there's just going to be an asterisk. It's just the reality. 
Right. Just leave a bit of leave a bit of silence there. I like it. It's it's exactly what that quote deserves. It's 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 utter nonsense. For starters, all the best live players, as in the players where you might go, oh, okay, maybe that wouldn't have been as easy if if so and so was playing. They are in the majors, particularly this year. The Rams, the Kepkas of the world, the Deshambos, they're all in the majors. So the argument falls down almost immediately. But like, where do you draw the line? I, I mean, I tweeted the other day saying that the Open Championship and the PGA Championship in 2008 were the only majors Tiger missed in, in that decade, the mm-hmm. noughties or whatever we're calling them. So earlier that season, he had finished second in the Masters and he'd won the US Open. So shall we give Podrag Harrington a call and go, sorry, mate, we're going to have to put an asterisk next to those wings because, <laughs> because Tiger wasn't playing and he was clearly the best player on the planet at the time. But uh, I mean, what if you do it in other sports as well? I mean, Stan Vavrinka and no- Novak Djokovic both won the French Open in years that Rafael Nadal wasn't playing. So should we put an asterisk next to them? Should we put an asterisk next to Chelsea's 2000 FA Cup win because Manchester yes. United pulled out that year? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> so it's... It's an utterly bizarre comments, and and you are absolutely right. Like I've been in the presence of Taylor Gooch, uh, notably at uh, Live Golf event last year at Centurion, and he is an articulate guy. He is he is switched on, and he does make himself available, and he's genuinely comes off as a a decent normal bloke. He's not a bad guy in the slightest. Like, he's, not, I, I, he's, I, not, I like he's not. He's not. He's not a Patrick Reed in that he's like <laughs> I'm just desperate to make headlines, but. I'm wondering if there is, it's it's either for me, he's said a couple of things in the past, he's made a few headlines and he quite likes that attention. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's that. I think it's what you said. I think it's just something pops into his brain and it comes out of his mouth before it's filtered. Yeah. And that's just how it works. Because we all do that, don't we? We all think something and then some something in there goes, don't say that out loud. You'll get that's absolutely That's why this isn't recorded live. <laughs> <laughs> you should see the edit jesus christ the edit's that's huge. why that's that's why when we did the podcast live the version that went out was <laughs> 45 minutes shorter than the actual version that happened in the room why do you think bryce really isn't here this week <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but no you're absolutely bang on like it's 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 an unbelievably naive thing to say and i genuinely i as a journalist, as someone who writes headlines every day, absolutely love it. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. Keep doing it, mate, please. 100%. And, you know, it's, it's a shame because that comment has overtaken what I actually believe is a really good point that he's made about the world rankings. Mm-hmm. He's, he's essentially absolutely. saying that you know, the majors aren't going to allow us in because the world rankings aren't allowing us in. And it's the same people who govern both majors and world rankings for the most part. So I, I agree with him. I think his point's bang on, you know, Live is vastly different now. The field, I mean, is vastly different now to what it was when they staged their first event at Centurion in, what was it, June 2022. The the quality's night and day. It does have some of the best players in the world. That, that's Some people want to contend that, but it's deliberately disingenuous. I think it's intellectually redundant to suggest that Live doesn't have some of the best players in the world. And so, yeah, I believe that the world rankings, the official world golf rankings, has made itself obsolete. I'll die on that hill quite gladly. So I agree with Taylor Gooch on that point. But when he says that if Rory wins, there'll be an asterisk, like Rory McIlroy's going to care. 
He'll have completed the career Grand Slam. Let, let me phrase this a different way. Who was missing from the field when Ben Hogan completed the career Grand Slam? We don't know because it's not Tiger relevant. Woods. Tiger Woods wasn't there, obviously. But, you know, there may have been, for all we know, three or four of the biggest names weren't playing for whatever reason. It's not relevant mm-hmm. because the achievement is greater than any of that. I give Rory you think years, years, Sorry, years and years and years, just to, to add to that point, the, the best players in the world in America didn't travel over for the for the Open. Yeah. So all those wins that were achieved by the likes of, well, let's say Bobby Locke, Peter Thompson, what are they less? Because the best Americans weren't there? No one makes that contention because, frankly, it, it's stupid. Rory McIlroy was asked about Gucci's comments ahead of the Cognizant Classic last night when he, he faced the media. And to Rory's credit was pretty... Well, he gave him the benefit of the doubt, didn't he? He said, to be fair to Taylor, if you read the entire article, you know, the question and the answer, it's not as if he just came out with it. He said, I feel like whoever did the interview led him down the path to say that, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit. He just agreed with what the interviewer asked. However, he did point out at the same time, as you heard at the top of the show, Joaquin Neiman got an invite. I played with him a few weeks ago in Dubai. He went down to Australia and won. He was in Oman last week. He's been chasing his tail around the world to get this, to play his way into Augusta or show enough form to warrant an invite. I don't know if the same can be said for Taylor. Rory is bang on. If Taylor Gooch wanted to play in the Masters, he knows that he can't get in through Liv. He knows he has to do more. The Masters will... and has for a a long period of time recognised and rewarded players who support the game globally. Joaquin Neiman has done that. Australia, Dubai, Oman. Taylor Gooch has just been prepping for the new live season. You know, if you're not going to get off your couch, mate, you're not going to get anything. Exactly. And just just to add to that point, I think, unless I've got this horribly wrong, I did a very quick search, but from what I can work out, the only non-live event he's played in the last year or so is the Hong Kong Open. So, yeah. I mean, Rory's just pure class, isn't he? He's at, and like, uh, uh, unless he's in a car park in Rome and doesn't think there's any point one pointing a camera at him, he's <laughs> always absolute pure class. And he's, he, he's much, he's obviously heard those quotes from Taylor Gooch. He knows what's going on. I suspect his immediate reaction to those quotes in the privacy of his, whether whether it was own, his own home or just in the privacy of the locker room on the PGA Tour event, I suspect he was uh, <laughs> a little less class about it. Um, but obviously, once he's put in front of the microphone and he's had time to reflect on what he said, like he's absolutely bang on. You just you simply cannot argue with it. Yeah, we asked this question again on social media to followers of the the bunkered podcast, Twitter account, or X. I'm I'm just going to keep calling it Twitter. Yeah, we all are. It's fine. Too bad, Elon. Uh, Which one of your achievements (laughs) will forever have an asterisk against it because Taylor Gooch wasn't involved and, oh my goodness, you did not disappoint, ladies and gents. Tom Reed, Taylor Gooch didn't apply for my job, so I know I'm just the second best man for this job. (laughs) Eat and sleep golf. I once won a pint for naming all the major winners of the 90s in the correct order. Taylor Gooch wasn't in the clubhouse at the time, so it should never have counted. <laughs> Clarky, least school's cup final win. Forever soured knowing Taylor didn't go to my primary school. Chris, 
O-Coin, I think it is. I shall forever be ashamed that I first learned to walk in a Gucci-free zone. <laughs> That's a phrase you thought you'd never hear. Gucci-free zone. Oh, it's absolutely buckled me. Ricky Meha or Maha, sorry, Ricky, um, inflating my tires to the correct pressure on a single vending machine purchase. Nice. Flarky. Nice world class. Flarky. I just... I just want a race to solve a Rubik's Cube against my seven-year-old son. I suppose it'll always have an asterisk because I'm not Taylor Gooch's dad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, absolutely love our followers. You guys are the best. I think my my favourite was the tyre pressure one because that is something. (laughs) We all do that, don't we? It, you, you know, for some reason on those machines, I think they take cards now. Would you remember back in the day you had to put it? It was like 20 pence increments. Yeah. And you'd be like, how few 20p's can I put in on and get all four tyres done? So I'm absolutely buzzing for that. I think for me, I my weird childhood claim to fame, because we all have one, was I grew what was at the time the second tallest sunflower in the UK. No way! I was, I was about, I've got a newspaper clipping of it. I will dig it out for you and I'll put it on our socials. If Please do. Cares, why would they? Uh, I wonder if Taylor Gooch was the person that won the that grew the tallest <laughs> sunflower. Oh, how big was that sunflower? Uh, it's, it's in the newspaper clipping. I'll have to dig it out. I can't remember. Is it, it in was... feet or inches are we talking? It was... T- it, I was nine, so it was a long time ago. Right, okay. But I will, I will dig, dig it out. out. It'll, be, so in the, it'll be in the... Exactly. It'll be in the bottom of a box somewhere. I'll dig it out. Yeah, mine would be... So in primary two, up in Orkney, shout out Papdale Primary School, we did a school nativity play. And listen, my, my, my knowledge of the nativity story has has worsened with age because I'm I'm not religious in any way, shape or form. But... From my very hazy memories, I don't recall there being a singing policeman in Bethlehem when mm. himself was born, but I was cast as a, a singing policeman. I had a, a solo that I had to sing on stage in front of mums and dads and various audience members. I was six at the time and was cast as that, presumably because Taylor Gooch passed on the opportunity and wanted to be Joseph instead, so... Thanks for that, Taylor. He, he is a good singer, I understand. So <laughs> maybe next time we're in a press conference and Taylor Cooch is there, we'll just have a ask off. him to sing. Someone after it. I'll sing him the question if he sings the answer back. <laughs> <laughs> so loads more golf to come over the next few weeks. Obviously, there's a, a busy March coming up. We get Bay Hill, we get the Players' Championship, and all roads lead to Augusta in April. But we're also going to be getting season two of Full Swing. It'll be getting launched on Netflix, I think, March the 6th. Correct me if I'm wrong. Certainly the start of March. March. Yeah. Now, I've got to be extremely, extremely careful what I say because I have seen it all. I've seen all episodes. It's one of the perks of being in the media. You you get to (laughs) view things under embargo. But unfortunately, the embargo is exceptionally, exceptionally tight. So I have to couch my words very carefully in case I say anything that's going to get me a very angry email from Netflix's lawyers. So I'll skirt around the subject as best I can. And I'm going to throw it to you, Alex, because you've not seen season two yet, but you did watch some of season one. And as I gather, you weren't a huge fan. I watched all of it. I don't think it's correct to say I wasn't a fan. What I will say about Full Swing is it's not really for people like you and I 
who are ingrained in the sport. And I don't even necessarily think it's for diehard golf fans at all, like who aren't necessarily in the media and just making a living out of it. And I say the same for Formula One. I know plenty of people from previous uh, jobs who I worked with, who are uh, you know high profile people in in Formula One media who who don't watch Drive to what's it called Drive, Drive to, survive. to Survive Drive to Survive. Sorry, <laughs> completely mind blank. Then which would have been a better name for the golf one? But never mind. Abs- absolutely, but they yeah they don't watch that because it's because like I said it's not for them. It's for mm. Casual sport fans who perhaps don't. I mean, I was listening to uh, there's a there's a wonderful podcast with Richard Osman and Marina Hyde, and they talk about various. It's called This Is Entertainment, or the rest is Entertainment. Sorry, it's one of uh, Gary Lineker's company, isn't it? And they were talking about Drive to Survive, and absolutely fascinating insight into how people because neither of them are Formula One fans, mm. so absolutely fascinating insight and. Marina was saying some quite astonishing numbers about how many people have been brought into Formula One because Mm. of that show. So while Full Swing is not really for me, because the first season certainly didn't tell me... I like the the behind-the-scenes stuff. The Joel Damon stuff was excellent, and you know, being there with Finau's family and stuff like that. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the nice parts of it. But it didn't. It it never at any point really told me anything I didn't know. Mm. Like the first episode was basically just a recap of the PGA Championship, and I was thinking, well, I watched this tournament. I know what happened, and I know that with with Drive to Survive, and I know this is the case with the tennis one as well, which I think is called Breakpoint. Again, I haven't mm. watched it. A lot of what actually happened is dramatized for the show. Yeah, and I am. Um, there's there's one Formula One driver. Think it was Verstappen who refused to be involved. Yeah, and he basically said, "Well, they make a lot of shit up to, mm-hmm. for the viewers to make it more interesting, to make it seem like it's more interesting than it was." And obviously, the end of the—I think it was the season before last—there was a, a really controversial ending to the Formula One season with some rule stuff. Everyone started blaming Netflix and the producers <laughs> and saying that was the reason for it. So I will watch. Was there not Swing. something like that with tennis as well? Was it the the runner up of was it the US Women's Open? If I'm remembering this properly, there was a, a clip of her doing the rounds on social media that that showed her smashing up her racket after her defeat. Yeah. And then when you saw the wide angled version, what you don't see in the clip that was sent out, but the wider shot, there's the Netflix cameras filming it all. So it's not to say it yeah. wasn't an authentic reaction, but the fact that they'd gone to great lengths to cut the camera crew out and just the, the as you say, the stories you've been hearing about Drive to Survive and the, the forced dramatisation of it, it did make you think, oh, are, are, is this a bit scripted? The, mm-hmm. the example I would think of for that for the first season of Full Swing would be like Poulter throwing the clubs in the locker room. Yeah. You know, when he comes in and he just flings the irons, you know, right down one of the aisles of the locker room. I can almost hear that conversation where they're going, okay, Ian, uh, take three, we want you to throw your seven, eight, and nine iron. Uh, yeah, no problem. Just, uh, do you want to tomahawk him or a helicopter or just a strike forward throw? You know, I, I can hear all that conversation unfolding. So, yeah, there, I suppose... You will, you will never miss an opportunity to get that, that impression out, will never, you? Never, never. <laughs> just ask me about GMAC again. I missed that earlier. <laughs> but yeah, it's... 
but are we a bit naive to assume that they wouldn't? I mean, it's it's an entertainment show. It's not it's not a of reality course. show. It's entertainment. Of course, they're going to ham it up. But if it if it like I said, it's not really for me. I enjoyed it. I watched it. I came away from it thinking that is not aimed at me. But on the flip side of that, if it does for golf, what Drive to Survive did or has done for Formula One, then that's good enough for me. Yeah, and to that point, so last September, the PGA Tour released some numbers that showed the effect that Full Swing had had it used, I think, was it the Nielsen Media Research Analysis? And that found that 63% of Full Swing viewers tuned into PGA Tour coverage in the two months following the debut of the series. 11% of viewers had not tuned into PGA Tour coverage in the six months leading up to it, but did so after watching the show. And according to Accelerant Omnibus, what a sensational name that is. <laughs> Just an X, it's not E-Accelerant, it's X like Xander, which, yeah. 42% spend more time watching pro golf and TV after watching Full Swing. 36% spend more time engaging with pro golf and social media. And 27% spend more time reading pro golf news and articles, again, after Full Swing. The intention, you're absolutely right, Alex, was to bring non-golf fans into the sport. And absolutely, it's had the desired effect. But it's a bit like Anthony Kim, isn't it? You know, the novelty of Full Swing has come and gone. Can they yeah. sustain that? This is the difficult second album. Will it have a similar impact? Are you so, not even allowed to say whether you preferred it to the first series or anything like that? I'm not going to risk it, to be honest. <laughs> Plus, that's next week's show. Listeners, I tried. <laughs> but yeah, Full Swing Season 2 coming out in the next week or so. If you have a Netflix subscription, then I assume you'll be tuning in. If you don't, you might well go out and get one. Don't know. That's as much as I can say. Genuinely too afraid to say anything else because I don't want to be sued. Anyhow, lots more to come on this week's episode of the show, including a very special guest, a Masters champion, no less, joining us in part two. Do not go anywhere. The Bunker Podcast is brought to you by the new Paradigm AI Smoke Driver from Callaway. The new AI Smoke Driver from Callaway has multiple sweet spots across the entire face. Intelligently mapped by AI using real swing data, making AI smoke an average of seven yards longer. You won't be just longer from one spot, you'll be sweeter from every spot. The new AI Smoke Drivers from Callaway. Welcome back, part two of this week's Bunkered Podcast in association with Callaway. Check out that new Callaway advert, by the way. The bells and whistles on that. That's got me all amped up. Anyway, yes, Alex and Michael here with you. Thank you to everyone for your very kind messages about last week's show and the interview with Nick Price. Lots of uh, really positive things being said, both you know on the Bunker Twitter accounts, the Bunker Podcast Twitter accounts. I've had a few DMs. We also received this email from Brad Forge. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, Brad. But Brad sent his greetings from Cape Town and wrote, absolutely loved the show and particularly enjoyed the interview with Nick Price. As you rightly said, a genuinely good guy. I wanted to relay a small example of that. Really not a big deal, but it's a memory that has always stuck with me. I was an assistant pro at Sun City back in the years when Price was number one in the world. The limited fields of the Nedback Golf Challenge in those days included the very best. Seve, Faldo, Monte, Langer, Pavin, O'Meara, Mickelson, even Tiger one year. Anyway, for a youngster straight out of university in his first golf job, it was quite something to be working closely with these stars. 
Nick Price was the only one who genuinely took the time to ask my name and then every day greet me by my name, ask how things were going, etc. While most of the players were pleasant and courteous, Pricey really stood out as genuine and down to earth, a gentleman and a bloke you'd want to share a few beers with. He really made an impression on a young kid who loved his golf and naturally, for the rest of his career, he was the one guy I wanted to win unless Sebi was in contention. What a player, a Zimbo that us sappers loved to see as one of our own. Keep up the great show. Brad, thank you for that. That's an absolutely awesome email. And Alex, it it, it just reinforces the impression that we got from speaking to to Nick last week and previous times when we've spoken to him. He is, without a shadow of a doubt, one of the good guys. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like we, we had this conversation on the podcast a, a few weeks ago or months ago or whenever it was about, in fact, I think it might have been at Podcast Live about players who are just dicks basically <laughs> but it is also worth that was podcast sh- live and it was edited out of the video please <laughs> please do not go there again it's it's definitely worth the, the flip side of it is also worth pointing out though isn't it like it is i love coming away from an interview just thinking god he was a genuinely really nice bloke like yep. i've had that with plenty of look i've had plenty of people I've interviewed where I've come away and gone that was hard work Mm -hmm. but I've also interviewed people like Jordan Spieth and Tom Watson who you just come away thinking good grief what a nice man yeah just just someone I'd love to be like or uh, like in Jordan's case like I just love to be mates with him or Tom Watson could be my dad or something Philip Price uh, Philip Price Nick Price is a Philip Price is a lovely bloke as well Nick (laughs) Price is a definitely dad material isn't it oh 100% 100% just a quality bloke, you know, he was a lot of fun. He didn't hear this on the show because we hadn't started recording by then, but he dialed in via WhatsApp through my phone and when he came on the call, he said, oh, is that a picture of uh, you and your daughter there that I'm looking at just now? And it uh, didn't, it, it kind of caught me off guard because I wasn't expecting him to be looking at WhatsApp or anything like that. I'd forgotten mm-hmm. that like, by profile picture on WhatsApp is me and my daughter. And we spoke for a couple of minutes about our kids. Like he was genuinely interested asking what her name is and what she likes and does she play golf and blah, blah, blah. Just, I can't stress this enough. That is absolutely the exception. Players being nice is the rule. Mm -hmm. Players going above and beyond and taking an actual interest in you is really quite rare. And that's fine. I wouldn't wouldn't expect to have it any other way, but you do appreciate it when you get that personal touch by somebody who's not just going through the motions, who does want to genuinely have a chat with you about golf and I think that shone through last week with the the the, the content and the the quality of the answers that he gave so I'd love for him to come on again soon and Brad again thank you very much indeed for for that email uh, lovely story we've got another great guest coming up right now a guy who certainly fits the, the Nick Price mold as far as I'm concerned and that is former Masters champion Danny Willett Danny is an ambassador besides his many other Things that he does, he is an ambassador for Prostate Cancer UK and at Bunkered we're delighted to announce Prostate Cancer UK as our official charity partner for the coming year. We'll be supporting them on various activities and raising awareness and funds for the great work that they do to combat this horrible, terrible illness. It's obviously a a cause that matters a lot to Danny, it's close to his heart as as you'll hear in a second. Alex, you mentioned at the top of the show that you were at the Belfry yesterday and it was because of the launch of one of the the prostate cancer activities that we'll be supporting, uh, the big 
Golf Race 2024. Tell us a bit more about that and how people can get involved. Yeah, so it's this is something obviously we see every single year where we have this challenge, which is uh, playing 72 holes in a day. So with the big golf race, there's either the, they call it the half marathon, which is you can play 36 holes in a day. You can do the marathon, which is 72 holes in a day. Or you can do the ultra marathon, which is 100 holes or more and generally involves a sort of a 4 a.m. start. I did it a few years ago and it was a, I did it over four courses in Southwest London and it was, like I said, a 4.30 start and a sort of a 7.30 finish. Really enjoyable. And we just want as many people to get involved as possible, really, because it is wonderful and it raises money, a lot of money, for an incredible cause. Because as men, we're sort of programmed to not talk or, or want to talk about our health, both mental and physical. And I mean, thankfully that stigma seems to be going away somewhat encouragingly. And yeah, we all know someone who's been affected by cancer, but the the numbers are genuinely staggering. There's, I think uh, they were saying one in eight men will be affected by prostate cancer. So in every two, four balls on any golf course, one of those guys. Think about that. Just, just think about your circle of friends. One of those guys, at least, will be affected by prostate cancer. So we had this lovely day at the Belfry yesterday. As I said, <laughs> the course wasn't in good nick. But again, it's just enjoyable to be around people and meet people and hear their stories. So there was a, there was a few former professional footballers involved. So Jay Bothroyd is involved. Mark Bright is involved. Because if you are... Um, black or Asian, you are then even more likely to be affected by prostate cancer. So Jay and Mark are on board um, as ambassadors. Also Phil Jagielka or Jagielka as one particular commentator pronounces it. <laughs> He's involved. So all of these people and and, and Jay got up, uh, the wonderful Ian Carter was, was hosting and he asked Jay, Bothroyd why he got involved and and Jay was genuinely getting really choked up like it was actually a a, a very emotional moment in the room uh, in the Belfry and he was talking about his dad who had been affected and his dad said to him like oh you know I've got this and he was saying that he wouldn't even use the word cancer because it's just because of the stigma attached to it and you know, Jay encouraged him to talk to his friends about it. And then, you know, Jay's dad talked to one of his friends and then lo and behold, he went to get checked out and he had it as well. So, I mean, if the only message that comes out of this is to go and get checked up, I mean, look, we were talking at the the top of the show about turning 40, both of us now, you and I, like, you know, I will be encouraging you, Michael, to go and get checked out. Mm. I'm certainly going to go and get checked out, as I'm sure you would be encouraging me. So 100%. It, is, it is uncomfortable both to talk about and the actual physical examination, of course. But you will know someone, if it's not you, you will know someone that is affected by prostate cancer. It's a wonderful charity. It's a wonderful cause. cause and the golf race is a way to get involved by playing golf. I mean, I will certainly be getting involved in some way. I haven't quite thought I'd quite like to do something a bit more out there than just playing golf, but 
I'm sure I'll come up with some wacky <laughs> idea that we can get involved in. But yeah, I mean, it, all the information's over on the Bunkered website. So you can go over there and check it out and you can see just how staggering these numbers are that I talk about because there are far too many people. There were, there, there, we were having a, a bit of a slideshow in this presentation and the reality really hits when, you know, you were talking just then about the photograph of you and Sadie that that Nick was talking to you about. But it really hits home when you see these photographs of guys who are either not much older than me or in some cases younger than me with their tiny children and underneath it, it just says, diagnosed too late. That guy is no longer with us. Don't leave it too long. Just go and get checked out, please. And like Michael said, incredibly proud to be involved in this. Yeah, very well said, Alex. Couldn't agree more. Very, very well said indeed. ProstateCancerUK.org. Highly suggest you go and check out the website as well. Listen, this is the most common cancer in men, but most men with an early prostate cancer don't have symptoms. It's not always life-threatening, but when it is, the earlier you catch it, the more likely it is to be cured. All you need to do to check your own risk in the space of 30 seconds, answer three quick questions. Go to prostatecanceruk.org forward slash risk hyphen checker. Listen, it's not going to tell you if you've got it or not, but it'll, it's there to give you a sense of the risk and to let you know if you are in one of those high risk categories, please, like Alex said, just do it. It's uncomfortable, granted, but what's the alternative? Anyway, Delighted to say that Prostate Cancer UK put us in touch with Mr. Willett, who was on fine form, I have to say, despite the fact that he's been dealing with a terrible, terrible shoulder injury for the last few months that has kept him on the sidelines. But he's been making very, very good use of that time that he's been away from the tour. So here he is, Danny Willett. Danny, welcome to the Bunkered Podcast. No, thanks for having me. Great to have you here. First things first, how's the health? I know you've been sidelined for, for quite a while now with, with injury after your operation, but how are you? What's what's the state of play? Uh, it's all good. Um, yeah, I had the surgery back in September, the week after Wentworth, and it's been a pretty slow process. Uh, but no, it's been really good. The last kind of couple of months, I've seen some really good progressions in in strength and obviously able to hit balls now. So, um, yeah, there's a seven, eight-week countdown to Augusta, so... Um, we're going to see if I can, if we can rush through a few things and see if we're going to get ready to play by them. But it might be a bit, might be a bit too close. But um, we definitely want to give it a go. Yeah, and why not? We'll get to Augusta in just a, in just a few minutes. But yeah, the, the injury that you've had to deal with and the time on the sidelines—just how frustrating has has that been? I mean, I can't imagine you're the sort of person that likes sitting still and, and having to watch as you know your fellow golfers are racking up ranking points and winning prizes and whatnot. What's that been like for you? Uh, you know what? I've actually really enjoyed being off. Um, I, I've had, I've, I've had, what is it now? Been four or five months. Been able to take the kids to school, taking football, watch them. You know, things that I ordinarily won't be able to do. So actually, you know, I, when it when when it all came about, and I was definitely going to have the surgery, it was one of them where I think you've got to change your mindset into, you know, realizing and accepting that that's where it's going to be, and and try and turn it into a positive. So actually. It's been really nice to be at home. Um, you know, I've been in the gym since I've been able to. I've been in the gym at home for, you know, two, three hours a day. Um, you know, and at first, when it first happened, there was literally nothing I could do. I couldn't move my arm. I was in a 90-degree sling for five weeks. So, 
um, you know, there was, you know, you can't be upset about it. That's kind of what you've chosen to do because we felt like it was the right decision in order to allow us to have a prolonged career. Um, yeah, how it feels now, it was, you know, I think it's it, in the long run is going to be, have been a good decision. I mean, you mentioned things like, you know, taking the kids to the school and, and going to the gym when you're able to, but, you know, days are long, especially when you've got a lot of them where, you know, you're, you're not able to go to, to your work. So what else have you been doing? Uh, that's, I mean, literally been it. I mean, you know, you, by the time you've got up, done the kids' first, done the school run, got back, gone in the gym, been in the sauna, been in the ice bath, um, have a shower, eat, you know, it's nearly time to pick them back up. So, uh, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of how things go. Um, so, yeah, you know, there's been, uh, there's not really been anything else. You know, it's been a lot of kind of downtime and actually just letting the body heal. Um not trying to do too much because um, ultimately your main your main job and main focus for a couple of months has literally been to allow it to heal and and not to try and stress it. So um, yeah, you know, luckily, luckily there's been some good uh, some been some good golf tournaments on TV and um, and darts has been on over the Christmas period. So I've had some good stuff to watch. <laughs> See, that was going to be my next question. I mean, have you been watching much? I have. Yeah, I do. Yeah, my wife hates it when I watch golf, especially if I'm playing. Um, it's been on the television most day, most Thursday through Sundays. Um, again, I like to see how my friends are getting on. Um, how guys are playing. You know, it's good to kind of watch. I think it's good to watch golf and see how guys win. Um, you know, often when you're playing a golf tournament, unless you're in the last couple of groups, you don't see how guys win. So, you know, to see, you know, people don't always hit it amazing, don't always all all the putts. You know, it's just. I think it's interesting to kind of see, you know, how golf tournaments are closed out down the stretch. And, and yeah, just, you know, there's not been a great deal else to do at certain hours of the day, so I might as well have it on. You mentioned there the, the Masters coming up and that being the, the target for a return and, and fingers crossed because there's nowhere else quite like it, is there, especially at the start of April. But take us back, if you would, to, to that win eight years ago now. I want to know about the moment that you slipped on the green jacket. Tell us what is that like? What was going through your head at that time? Um, yeah, you, I still don't think you could you, you could put into words or realise that it had actually happened. Um, you know, it's ultimately the biggest golf tournament in the world, um, and yeah, I think just uh, the, I mean the realisation probably didn't sink in for a while, like for a long time. But yeah, just I don't know everything going on, excitement, joy, yeah, just uh, you know everything. Um, yeah, just a bit surreal, to be honest. Tell us something about being a master champ that other people might not know. Because we, we know you get to go back now every year for the rest of your days, but is there anything that's happened or anybody you've taken the jacket that's been a bit unusual or any sort of perk of being a master champion that stands out? Uh, I mean, there's obviously many perks with it. Um, that first year, you get to you get to take the jacket away from Augusta. Um, I think a lot of people think that you get to keep it, but you only get to keep it for one year um, and take it actually outside, off off the grounds. So for that first year, you, you know, you're taking it to golf tournaments or to to functions or wherever. Um, me and my wife are fortunate. We got invited, invited to the Royal Box at Wimbledon, so I got to wear it there, which was pretty cool. Um, you know, but yeah, for that first year, you basically take it around with you and you showcase, you know, the jacket. In, you know, coming from from England, it was a pretty big deal. Um, only me and obviously Faldo um, from England have won it. So it was... Yeah, it was just cool to be able to take it to the tournaments that I played in twenty six, the rest of 2016 and 17. And then um, when you get back there the year after, you host a dinner, obviously. And then on that Sunday, um, you slip it on a, a different champion. And then 
uh, that's the last time that you're allowed to wear it outside uh, off 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 premises. So, um, yeah, I don't know if people. I think people think that I can take it, or I've got it at home in the closet. I know there's probably a lot of people listening to this right now that think that you've got one just you know in the house somewhere. It's just lying around, but no, you don't. No, I don't. No, it's ne- it's next to Wuzzy's in our locker that we share. Ah, fantastic. So the dinner you, you mentioned there about obviously getting to host that. I think there's a lot of fascination around that dinner on the Tuesday night. We all see the pictures. We all see the menus. What's it like inside that room? G- give us an idea of you know the sort of atmosphere, if you like. It's incredible. Um, I think there's only I think there's only um, thirty two, maybe thirty three living um, living players still. Mm-hmm. Um, that have obviously won round Augusta, so it's a pretty small group of guys and. Um, they get a pretty good turnout, you know. Even a lot of the old boys still manage to make it. And then to be in a room with, you know, some real golfing legends, you know, telling stories and, uh, and tales of when they won and and how they won, and um, yeah, just kind of looking around the room at um, at so many multiple major winners is is it's a pretty special place. Who's made the best grab that you've had so far? Apart you obviously, yeah. <laughs> I knew that was going to be the answer. Becky's <laughs> uh, was amazing last year. Sergio's was very good. Um, I assume that Rambo's is going to be pretty good as well. Um, so no, there's been some, yeah, there's been some pretty cool stuff. Do you like paella? Because I suspect that's going to be on the menu. I do. Sergio did a very, very good one. Um, so yeah, hopefully it'll be some more of that kind of stuff. You've obviously got that that one major win on your name already, which is. You know, it's why you guys all play the game, isn't it? To 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 win majors. How optimistic are you that you know you can add at least one more before your your career's out? Yeah, I think now that I've had the surgery done and hopefully I can stay healthy. You know, I've been hard by quite a few injuries, even if they're little niggly injuries. You know, over over the last few years. So to hopefully, fingers crossed, be properly like majorly injury free, um, will be nice to see if I can push on and. And yeah, and try and compete for a, for, for a few more. Um, but you know that that's the, that's the aim, that's the hope, that's the desire. But um, we're just gonna have to kind of bide his time and see uh, and see. They're hard to win as well, obviously now, and especially with the, the the talented young guys coming through. I mean, one of those, Ludwig Oberg. How impressed were you by his emergence onto the scene last year? Bearing in mind, this time last year he was in a classroom, you know, studying. Never mind winning on tour, being a Ryder Cup player, etc. Yeah, it's uh, he's a brilliant player. Um, but I think the college system in America now prepares the guys so well for the professional game that, you know, all of the top probably three or five guys that come out of tour every year from now going forward are all going to be brilliant golfers. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of how, you know, how they are. You know, they're, they're, they're training hard. They're playing a lot of competitive golf. Um, it really just creates... Um, a great environment for him to get better and uh, and to thrive. I obviously need to ask you quickly about the the current state of the game, and you've kind of probably got a bit of a unique perspective on it compared to other guys. You, you've been pretty much sitting watching it with the rest of us over the last few months as these discussions and rumours and all that have been swirling. What's your take on it, Danny? I mean, where where do you see this going, or rather, what do you hope for? As a, a player returning to the game and you know looking to get back to the very top, what's what's your ideal scenario? Yeah, I don't really like you say. It has actually been quite nice to not kind of be out there playing. I think at times it can be quite distracting for guys. Um, so yeah, to be able to just sit back and kind of see. Um, obviously, the golfing landscape has has changed. Um, 
but for me, it'd just be one where, you know, I've, I've got lots of good friends who, who, who now play on live and play in Europe and play in America. And, you know, it's, I think people's decisions that they took were, were their own and they did them for their own reasons. I don't think anyone should be um, tarnished for it. You know, it's kind of, it, it's the decision that they made. Um so, you know, the, the way back for guys, I have no idea. Like I said, I've not been in and around, you know, the tour to kind of talk to anyone and see what's going on with it. So um, for me, it's probably quite a nice position to be in where I can just concentrate on getting healthy. And then by the time I get back and I'm playing in Europe and in America, um, we'll just kind of hopefully have to see that it'll be sorted out by then and, and everyone can move forward. Absolutely right. Hopefully by the time you get back, peace will have broken out. Whatever peace looks like, but it'd be nice to get back to talking about golf shots and players hitting shots and winning tournaments as opposed to all of this other stuff. But obviously you're speaking to us today because of your your, your links to prostate cancer and the, the big golf race, Prostate Cancer UK's leading fundraiser. It's launching this coming week. Golfers can grab their mates and play 36, 72 or 100 holes in the day to raise money to help save men's lives. This is something that I've done previously. I've, I've played 101 holes in a day. I uh, in, can assure everybody it is not as easy as it sounds. Prepare to be very, very tired, but it's an incredibly worthwhile cause and one that's very close to your heart as well, Danny, isn't it? Yeah, we we kind of got involved with Prostate Cancer UK a few years ago now when they were the main charity um, for the uh, Betfed British Masters that I hosted down here at the Belfry um, for a couple of straight years. Uh, and we've helped raise quite a lot of money over the last few years for them. Um, and for a charity that, you know, it's. I think it's amazing in in what they do, but it's also I think was was more when I first got involved. It was how little kind of we knew um, mm. about it, or how little people knew about it. You know, one in eight men um, get diagnosed with prostate cancer, which is a, a pretty staggering number. Um, but as I've said before on many of occasions, you know, us men we don't really like you know if we're not feeling well or not doing some you know things aren't kind of don't feel right. You, we're probably the last people to go and get checked or to go and seek advice on something. So I think when I first got involved, it was also more the awareness and just, you know, telling people to go and get checked and um, and, and just make sure. Because if you check it early, you know, and it gets caught early, then you've got an incredibly good chance of everything being all right. But if you leave it and wait and procrastinate, then, you know, your, your chances diminish. So, um, yeah, one of my old golf coaches at England, Steve Rolly, um, got diagnosed, but you know, he was regularly getting checked and luckily caught it early enough and he's now fine. So, you know, just an example of of, of how that can be the good, you know, uh, it turns out good in the end. But um, there's obviously many people around the world where it doesn't go so well. But, um, yeah, the main the main word was to kind of get checked. And um, the big golf race now, like you say, it's their biggest fundraiser. And, um, yeah, trying to get, like you say, 18 or 36 holes is all right, trying to push the 72 and then ultimately the ultra one at 100 is... Uh, is a pretty good effort. Um, so yeah, just to get as many people involved as we can and raise as much money as we can. Absolutely right. Over one and a half million raised last year. And I'm pretty confident that we can all uh, get involved in that and beat that this year. Before you go, what's the most number of holes do you think you've played in a day, Danny, in, in your life, if you can remember? I presume it was when you were a, a young whippersnapper. <laughs> yeah, a bit younger. Um, obviously on tour, you know, we're often playing 27, 29 holes um, because of weather. Um, but yeah, probably when I was a kid, I bet you there was, there'd been days when I'll have been whipping around 45 holes or 54 holes or something. But um, yeah, there was, there was, <laughs> those days are long gone now. <laughs> Here, never say never. You don't know. No, yeah. 
there's always a chance. There's always a chance. <laughs> but look, Danny, look, an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Great to hear that your rehab's going really well. And fingers crossed, we'll, we'll see you back out there at Augusta. If not, then somewhere else competing again very soon. But for now, thank you very much indeed for your time. No, my pleasure. Thank you. Brilliant stuff from Danny there. What a top man he is. And yeah, again, thank you to the, the team at Prostate Cancer UK for, for putting us in touch with them. I make no apologies for making another plug for it. ProstateCancerUK.org forward slash risk hyphen checker. When you're finished listening to this pod or sod it, I actually don't care because it's more important to get yourself checked. Go and look right now. 30 seconds, three questions. That's all it takes to give you a bit more information than you had a minute ago. So we'll be doing a lot more with Prostate Cancer UK over the, the coming weeks and months. So keep across that. And if you've got any ideas for how we or you can get involved, raise funds and awareness, we're all ears. You can get in touch with us. Our DMs are open. Our email addresses are pretty accessible as well. So yeah, please do get in touch. At this point, we would usually do Podder of Merit, but with Bryce being off, we thought that would be completely unfair because we want to let him have his little moment. I will say no more because Bryce will say it all rather a lot and very loudly next week, I'm quite certain of it. So in place of Podder of Merit, Alex Bradley Walsh Perry has been hard at work <laughs> concocting, I, I gather, a quiz. Is that right? I have put together a little quiz oh, and I think okay. it would be, I think it would be incredibly rude not to make it an Anthony Kim quiz. Oh, no. I know you're a huge, oh. I know... I, I think I've put together, it's, it's, first of all, oh shit! my first thought was, I've got to put together an AK quiz, surely. Can I possibly get 10 questions out of this? I think I've got 10 questions which you will be able to answer. So it's not ludicrous. And hopefully people will play along at home as well. So Okay, the Anthony Kim quiz. Straight into the it. The quiz, except with a K instead of a Q. You, no, no, it's fine, carry on. We'll work on that. Yeah. We'll Anthony, workshop we'll workshop it. We'll blue sky it. <laughs> Anthony Heijin, hope I'm pronouncing that right. Mm -hmm. Anthony Heijin Kim was born on June the 19th, 1985, in which American city? I think I do know this. Dallas. In 2005, Kim teamed up with which future major champion to earn 1.5 points in a narrow Walker Cup victory over GBNI at Chicago? Brian Harmon. I only know that because Brian Harmon had hair in that picture and I was looking at it going, <laughs> who's that? And then, oh, wait a minute. He's I not actually, got any taller. I'll tell you that for nothing. <laughs> on that Walker Cup Wikipedia page, I actually had to click on Brian Harmon's name to make sure it was, it was that Brian Harmon. <laughs> Brilliant. Kim won his first PGA Tour title in 2008 at what is now the Wells Fargo Championship. But what was the title sponsor back then? I think, I think it was Wachovia or Wachovia. I think it's pronounced Wachovia, which I believe is a bank. Yes. Or it's certainly a finance company. That's boring. <laughs> and which former Open champion did he beat by five shots for said victory? Which former Open champion did he beat? At Wachovia? That's a great question. Was he a former Open champion at that time? Or is he a yes. sub? Right. In that no. case, I'm going to... Justin Leonard? I mean, you're on the right lines. You really are. Mr. Ben Curtis. Oh. Well done if you got that at home. 
Sorry, the f- the answer to the first question was Los Angeles. Sorry, not oh, Dallas. Oh, was it? But he grew he up lived, in Dallas, and that's Dallas, why he lived, he, he lived in Dallas. Okay. So this one, I sort of three points for this for this question. Ooh. So tw- I guess it's going to be twelve overall for the uh, for the for the quiz. What was his best finish in a major, and which major was it, and which year? It was the Open in either two thousand and eleven or two thousand and ten. Going to say eleven, and I think he finished tied fourth. It was third. At the 2010 Masters. No way! Oh, his best, no, his other, of course. His other top 10s were tied 5th in 2011 at the Open yep. and tied 7th at the 2008 Open. Damn it. But that has an asterisk next to it. <laughs> what was Kim's highest world ranking? Sixth. Correct. After a tied 3rd at the 2008 Tour Championship. To the nearest million, how much did he earn in his PGA Tour career? Oh, good grief. So I do think I know this because I wrote a blog on this a while back looking at what he achieved and more to the point what he didn't. And I think to the nearest million, I think it's 12, something like 12.2, 12.4. Correct. 12.206409. Very good. How many points did he win from his four matches in the 2008 Ryder wow. Cup? Uh, so I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you half a point if you're. I'll give you half a point if you're half a point either side. There you go. I know he did very well. He played with Phil, I'm sure, and I know that US did very well at that particular match. Three and a half. Oh, I can't even give you half a point. Two and a half. No! Jeez, ouch. Next question is, and which European did he thrash five and four in the <laughs> Sergio <singles>? Garcia, next. <laughs> next. <laughs> right, last question. He also earned three points for the USA in the 19.5, 14.5 win over the international team at the 2009 President's Cup. Where was that tournament held? 2009 President's Cup. It's not really an Anthony Kim question, is it? But I was running out at this point. <laughs> you know what? I'm not even sure if that was in America or not. I'll narrow it down. It was in the US. Hmm. I'm trying to think where it had been played. Not a million miles away from the answer to question one. Well, that gubs that. So my first thought was Liberty National, but that's more recent. Not a million miles away from Los Angeles. I might have to count down clock you. I think I've absolutely stumped you here, but I I sort of also feel bad because it's not really an Anthony Kim question. Nah, it's not. This is I'm not I'm not having this count towards the total. Unless I get it right, <laughs> in which case absolutely. <laughs> oh, not a million miles from Los Angeles. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. San Francisco's not a million miles away. TPC Harding Park. Correct. Get in. But that point doesn't count, does it? You just yeah, there's an asterisk against that point. <laughs> <laughs> there's an asterisk against the show because Bryce isn't here. Exactly. I wasn't counting up yet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bryce Gooch, yes. Bryce Gooch. Um, I didn't count up your score, but you did very well, as you always do on these quizzes. Can you count um, it up? I'm, I'm genuinely interested to know what I got. Me. All right, so you got, you didn't get LA, so you got Brian Harmon, you got Wachovia, you didn't get Ben Curtis, you didn't get third at the Masters in 2010, you got six, you got 12 million, you didn't get the Ryder Cup points, you got Sergio, and you got Harding Park. So six out of 12. 
that's okay. Considering it's technically, you know, six out of ten, there was just a lot of points up for grabs for one of the questions I got wrong. There you go. So, no, I'll take it. Not bad. More of an Anthony Kim fan than I actually realised. Anyway, thank you for that, Alex. Always fun. And, yeah, let you. us know how you got on. All you people that say, I don't care about Anthony Kim, I don't remember him. Shouting, shouting at their car radios. <laughs> that was Ben Curtis, you clown. Yeah, the joke's on you. Anyhow, Anthony Kim is also the subject of Honesty Box this week. The question is this, Alex. With Anthony Kim set to return, name something else to do with golf you'd like to see make a comeback. It can be a golfer, it can be a course, a tournament, a piece of equipment, a rule. The choice is yours. Shit. Okay, so I've put together a, a number of answers. So I'm going to start with... Answers. I'm going to start with apparel. Okay. Argyle jumpers and sweater vests. Absolutely. Like Nick Faldo on the bridge in that yellow jumper. The old just, geometric patterns just, or geometric I George. I want those it? back. Yep. Yep. Bang it, it's funny as well, isn't it? Because I, I bet... 10 years ago or 20 years ago, I absolutely hated it. And yeah. Now it's just like now I'm a bit older. I'm like, yeah, do you but know what? Do you know what? They, just I, look, I they think, look good. They look comfy. I think you can buy them though. Yeah. Pringle of Scotland are selling geometric George jumpers. Now, granted, there's not much change out of 200 quid, £225 for it. But, change my mind. you know. In terms of equipment, chippers we were talking about stigmas earlier mm-hmm. why was there a, why were why was everyone hating on chippers we i know ping have bought one out in yeah. the last couple of years but let's just get rid of that stigma like why are you hating on it well golf needs to be easier chippers actively make the game easier around the greens for choppers like me and you and 99.9 percent of the people listening so chippers for choppers. Back. hybrids exactly. are effectively just chippers on steroids exactly in terms of rules the knee height drop it's just <laughs> ludicrous you look like a prat doing it there was nothing wrong with the shoulder height drop yeah. in fact i would go one further and do the old uh throw it over the back. Your shoulder yeah. over the over the shoulder drop which i thought was absolutely fantastic no nothing wrong with the shoulder height drop let's bring that back and the, the fourth and final one is and this is in terms of tournaments and oh god i'm just gonna say it cigarette sponsorships oh alex like, I know, I know smoking is horrific. Absolutely despise it. You, of course, should not smoke. It's disgusting. But let's just hark back to the days when tobacco sponsorship was over everything. I mean, how cool did those F1 cars look with Marlboro splashed across it or the Embassy John World Player. Arts Championship? Exactly. The Benson and Hedges International, which was held in Cornwall a few times. So that helped for me as a kid mm-hmm. to actually be able to go and watch some live golf. Stuff is just cooler when it's got a cigarette sponsorship. Yep. I'm sorry. It's just, it's, it's just a truth we're going to have to accept, as despicable as the act of smoking is. Okay. There you go. Those are my four. Please don't tweet me, because again, I don't care. <laughs> so I've got a couple of things. One is a tournament which has only recently disappeared, but I'd like to bring it back in a different form, and that's the WGC match play. Let's go back to when it was just a straight up knockout. The round robin mm-hmm. thing didn't offend me hugely, and I I totally understand why they did have it as that format. And we've spoken about that previously in the show. You can't have Tiger Woods leaving on a Wednesday as he did a few times when it was the old straight knockout. But equally, it was brilliant, absolutely amazing. I loved the golf course they played it at. Was it Dove Mountain in Arizona? Yeah. It was just a lot of fun. It was at a nice time of the year as well. Let's face it, February. Not amazing 
for golf tournaments. No. But then that happened, and it was always around the time of my birthday as well. Just nothing but fond memories of it, even the years that it was a bit crap. Get rid of the seeding as well. Yes. Just have it as like, like you, can have, you can have Spieth versus Thomas in the first round. Yeah, absolutely. One of, those, one of those is going home on the first round, whether you like it or not. Like yeah. FA Cup style thing, really. Get Rod yeah. Stewart in to do the draw with the, the big hand. <laughs> a drunk Rod Stewart, that is. And in terms of equipment, I would also like, uh, this will never happen, or I'll never say never. I'd like to see the return of the original tailor-made R7. You know, the one that was like the first to have the adjustable weights. Yeah. I remember, I think that was 2003, 2004 that came out. I'd just started working at Bunkered at the time and I wanted nothing more than to have that driver. Just It, it just looked cool. The best players in the world at the time, like Retief Goosen and Darren Clark, were using it. And I just thought that is the that is just the coolest thing I've ever seen. Obviously, driver technology has marched on a fair bit, but imagine TaylorMade did what... Some football clubs do when they bring out a sort of retro product just to, to capitalise and monetise nostalgia. I would buy it. Yeah, I, I don't care if it doesn't go as far as, you know, the, the the latest drivers that are out there on the market. I would buy the, the R7 if they reissued it without a shadow of a doubt. Very good shout. We've had, obviously, a, a quite a number of replies on social media because, again, we asked the question there. Alan Wallace, I'd like to see the return of me hitting the grooves on the golf club. <laughs> you can get lessons for that, Alan. And if that fails, you know, sailing, give that a shot. Cricket's good. No, it's not. Tom Hosey, long-time listener, Tom, he would like to see the return of golf on the BBC. What, now that is a whole can of worms that Wonderful show. I don't really want to get into right now. But suffice to say, we had a few people say golf on free-to-air television and whatnot. Andy Borthwick wants plus fours to come back. The current range of good, good joggers just don't show enough calf. Okay. Is that Phil's burner account talking about calves? Yeah, I think that says more about him than... Yeah, each to their own, Andy. Each to their own. We've always had a number of people say Seve and and Payne Stewart for, for obvious reasons. Andrew Hunter, I'd like to see the Claret Jug come back with the engraving of Stuart Sink changed to Tom Watson. <laughs> <laughs> and so say all of us. And with Gary Player's name in a normal font size, please. <laughs> oh, and and the typo corrected. Because do yes. you know this? There's, there's an awful lot of Claret Jugs in circulation, but only mm-hmm. one is obviously the real original one. And the way to tell if you're looking at the real original one is to look out for the word Hoylake on, is it Fred Daly's win? Back in the 40s or 50s. Anyway, there's an open win at Hoylake and the engraver spelled it Holy Lake. And that's been changed on subsequent replicas, but obviously not on the original. So if you look at the Claret Jug and you see the, the word Holy Lake staring back at you, you are looking at the the real one. The OG. Alan Gunnigal's with you. He wants a return of the Faldo jumpers from the 80s. At, uh, at MB Rabs is also with you on the dropping over your shoulder, which, besides anything else, was objectively hilarious, wasn't it? This golfer standing <laughs> just absolutely prone, tossing a ball over their shoulder and then looking just around quickly. Bounces off the back of your leg. Like, it was just <laughs> carnage. Brilliant. Gordon Ritter wants the belly putter to come back. Mm-hmm. Now, I actually don't think the belly putter has gone away. It's how you can use it that they change. So by all means, yeah. go and buy a belly putter, Gordon. But if Gordon's 
regular playing partners are listen, listening. If he gets it, watch him closely. He's at it. And Stuart Cormack. Stuart Cormack just wants unity in the game. That would suit me. Aww. What a nice way to finish. Isn't it just? <laughs> and on that note, that is us. So, Alex, thank you very much for your time. Much thank appreciated you. as fun. always. Yeah. It's nice when we get to speak, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you can have that argument with Bryce, I'm not. Listen, he's not making it this far into the show, so I can say all sorts of stuff about him at this point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, Bryce will be back next week. I actually think I'm off next week. So if there is a bunkered podcast, it'll be without me. So, But apparently a lot of you who leave reviews like that, uh, apparently, Bryce's family and friends. Speaking of which, if you've enjoyed this, please go and leave us a review. Give us a, a five-star rating only. I'm not interested in your, your three or your four. Certainly not interested in your three stars, but go leave a review for us. We read them all. We take them all on board. So, yeah, please do do that. Thank you, Callaway, for your continued support. Thank you, Prostate Cancer UK, for everything you do, frankly, and also for putting us in touch with Danny Willett. And thank you to you for listening. I'm away to... Stitch and Anthony Kim's scarf together and to get myself all hyped up for his big return tomorrow. I will see you all on the YouTube channel or on the app first thing in the morning. But until then, and indeed until next week or the week after that, who knows, it's bye-bye for now. <laughs>